From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. And Zeus White muscles in the first touchdown of this championship game. And Georgia claims its first lead. Young. Touchdown! On the run, he found Latou. Tides first touchdown, and Alabama reclaims the lead. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Very solid game, entertaining, especially in the second half. Good story with Georgia winning for the first time in 40-plus years. National Championship highlights courtesy of ESPN. 5 o'clock hour is here uh, later on tonight on ESPN Las Vegas. 7.30 start on Running Rebel warm-up. 8 o'clock tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas as UNLV is taking on New Mexico, Adam Candy, Sue Cofield. Ari is in the Finley Toyota Studios. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Golden Knights taking on the Maple Leafs. Of course, it's here because we know what's going on in Canada. Actually, do we know what's going on in Canada? Is there any light at the end of this tunnel, Candy? You mean in Canada or anywhere else? Because it seems like the more that we hear out of Canada... Uh, the more we see that they're not interested in having any fans of games, any Americans coming in anytime soon. But if you're talking about here, yeah, we could have a whole discussion about that, couldn't we? All right. Tell me what's on tap tonight with Austin Matthews. So Austin Matthews is uh, no surprise to anybody who is a regular listener to this show and all of the outstanding hockey talk that we have here. But Austin Matthews is one of the best players in all the NHL. Uh, he's an Arizona-born product. He is kind of a Wayne Gretzky-era relic. Someone who came out of the fact that the Sun Belt became a place for hockey. And you know what? If you're going to go watch Austin Matthews tonight, you got to kind of see what the excitement about Jack Eichel is all about. Because for everything the Golden Knights have done right over the course of their first four-plus years, you know what they haven't had? They haven't had the 200-foot-of-the-ice guy who can go up and down, dance through everybody, and give you one of those highlight kind of goals. right? It's not who Mark Stone is, not who Max Pacioretty is, never was who the Misfits were. But now you finally get to have that kind of guy. And Jack Eichel back on the ice for the first time today in a non-contact jersey at Golden Knights practice. Go watch Austin Matthews and what he can do tonight. And Golden Knights fans, that's what you have to look forward to with Jack Eichel if you've never watched him play. Number four. College basketball, and especially the Mountain West Conference, uh, mostly coming back from COVID shutdowns, although San Diego State announced today that they're going to be shutting things down. They've got some cancellations coming up. We're getting rescheduled games uh, put back in the schedule. It'll be real busy here as long as there's no other issues on the other side. Uh, UNLV is going to be really busy here the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, I saw a note with Boise State as uh, Boise State was hit by COVID. Um, word was, uh, quote, it was crazy. This is from uh, their coach, Leon Rice. Our pregame meal sounded like a hospital emergency room. It was tough. Uh, you're ready to play, but it, it did hit us hard. And uh, they had some, according to reports, some real tough days during the COVID-19 pause. What do you think it's going to be like for UNLV coming out of their short pause here? 
God, Cofield, there's so many question marks, right? We don't know who was sick. We don't know who's going to be healthy. We don't know who's vaccinated, who isn't, and how it affected them. We don't know what it's going to mean for how they come back onto the court. So for UNLV not having played a game in 10 days, we really have no idea what to expect out of this team tonight. But here's the one thing you can say, and I think you you hinted at this earlier. If there's a team you're going to try to get right against in what has become a fairly stacked upper middle of the Mountain West, well, it's got to be New Mexico. It's a team that has its own COVID issues, its own coach out with COVID, and the team that, frankly, defensively this year has been a disaster. I mean, they're giving up almost 80 points a game. And they're small. They're they're smaller than they ever were because they've got so many uh, you know difficulties injury-wise and with transfers at the big spots. So this game should be an up-and-down game. We'll just see if UNLV has enough uh, up-and-down players to be able to keep up, and they certainly have to slow down Jamal Mashburn, who is a, a high-impact transfer from Minnesota with Richard Pitino averaging 19 points. Number three. TV alert. TV alert. Always looking for good things to watch on TV. I've really been going down the love boat rabbit hole recently, and I got to get out of it. I, I, I know. I know. What? Why, what? Raised eyebrows. What's the problem, Candy? You didn't know about this? My, my run of love boats the last couple weeks? No, sir. No, I did yeah. not. Oh, and, and, uh, and, my concern, and my concern is growing, but go on. Um, nothing to be concerned about because, you know, the second go-round for me with the Love Boat, which was on for whatever it was, 1977 to 87, is when you watch that as a kid, you don't realize all the adult themes. It's actually a, It was actually a very hard-hitting show in terms of tackling issues. I blank you not. Seriously. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I, I'm amazed that in this world of infinite content, there are so many choices out there. And Cofield's like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to watch any of those new shows y'all are talking about. Give me the love boat. I'm caught up on a lot of the new shows. Uh, but I am oh, looking yeah. forward to uh, a show coming to HBO, a, a Terry Bradshaw special. And I don't mean it's Terry Bradshaw, you know, unplugged in a variety show. It's actually about the lives and times of Bradshaw and his ups and downs, and as they put it, his uh, his second act equaling his first act. Are you interested? No, not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I uh, I get random PR pitches all the time, right? Like, come out to this opening. Or come out I don't often get ones for shows, and I got one a couple of months back for come out to the premiere of the Terry Bradshaw show, live and in person. And I looked at it, and I was like, Oh my God! Of all the things that I would risk COVID for, a Terry Bradshaw live show—like it's gotten painful with the caricature of Terry Bradshaw on the Fox NFL Sundays and the little halftime reason, ha ha, funny Terry and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, man. There's a lot of content out there. I might even join you on the Love Boat binge before I go back to Terry Bradshaw. Let's do it. So many old stars you can check out. Meredith uh, Meredith Baxter Bernie had a big issue. She had posed naked. In a magazine, a kitten magazine, and she was worried about her fiance finding out. I mean, there was the whole thing on uh, the issue of anorexia. There, you know, a young kid was uh, dealing with terminal illness. I mean, the love boat is just—it's not all s's and giggles, man. It's serious stuff. You need to get Learn back a on a good kick, like a Saved by the Bell. Like Jesse Spano had real issues. Jesse Spano couldn't get off the pills. She's so excited. She's so excited. She's so scared. That's what is real cultural tackling done by the Hollywood legends of our era, Mark Paul Goslar and Elizabeth Burke.
Hey, I'll take this here as Saved by the Bell and watch uh, Euphoria because I heard episode one of season two was amazing. Number two. Georgia and Alabama, according to Tim Tebow, could be duking it out for the next 10 years with Georgia potentially moving ahead of Alabama. Is Tim Tebow an expert? In what? Uh, in college football? That's not really where I'm interested in listening to Tim Tebow. Um, when was the last time that Clemson won the national championship, Cofield? What year did they win the national championship? It's been a million years. I mean, they suck now. Yeah, a million. Uh, it's been a million. 2018, right? 2018, right. Clemson wins the national championship. And what did we hear at the time? Oh, man. Dabo's got it going. Dabo's building a program that's going to be there every year. Finally, someone that can compete with Alabama. And we're hearing the same thing from Timmy about Georgia, right? Timmy is saying that they've unlocked it. It's the sleeping giant of Georgia. That they, finally they're recruiting the backyards of Georgia. No, they, they, they got one good year. That's what they've done. They've won for the first time in 41 years. They're not Alabama. They're more Clemson than they are Alabama. Why do we have to keep searching for the next Alabama or the one who's going to compete with Alabama? There isn't one. Alabama is an anomaly. Alabama is a freak show in what college football has been for years upon years. There's a reason there's only Alabama. Georgia was great, and Georgia deserved to win the national championship this year. But Tim Tebow coming out and saying, yeah, Kirby Smart's ready to compete year in and year out. Before we trust that opinion, Go ask Dabo how it went this year where they couldn't even win the ACC. Well, you know, the biggest problem with both Clemson and Georgia, do they have the potential to be Alabama-like? Of course. Uh, you have to make the right quarterback decision. Uh, if not every year, you, you got to have the guy to go that two and three years, and that's been the biggest problem with Georgia. They really haven't had the guy. Bennett did enough last night to win, and I'm not going to – annihilate Dabo Sweeney for not winning another national championship in, you know, in three years. But it's pretty clear that they didn't get the next guy. You know, is going to be a good quarterback. Maybe he'll progress next year, but they didn't get the guaranteed guy. And that's the, that's the most difficult part going against Alabama now is that Saban seems to be in this run where the next guy that he chooses is ready to go for two, two or three years and Bryce Young is awesome, you know, coming on the heels of Tua. Their their quarterback run has been amazing. The transfer portal is going to change that. The transfer portal is going to allow more opportunities for Adabo to be wrong. But here's the difference between Clemson and Alabama. Here's the difference between an Uyunglele not performing this year and what would have happened at Alabama had Bryce Young not been good. The next guy is always there at Alabama. The next guy is always waiting. Jalen Hurts became Jalen Hurts because Tua Tungvaloa was there. And so he goes to Oklahoma and he becomes Jalen Hurts, who is now an NFL quarterback. So if you're looking at this and saying, well, why didn't Clemson succeed this year? Because the next guy behind DJ Uyangalele wasn't there the way he always is at Alabama. Number one. All right, let's keep it going, right? I've been doing this for three weeks, saying that if the Raiders won all their games down the stretch, made it to the playoffs, and then won a playoff game, Rich Basaccia is the coach. So we are eh, just about seven days away from the reveal of Rich Basaccia being named the full-time coach. Let's go. Why only seven days? 
Well, my was prediction cool. was my prediction was he would lock up the job if he won a playoff game. So if, if he, he won a playoff, playoff game and then okay. won the playoff game, so they got to beat the Bengals, and then I think he's in the driver's seat to get the job. So why is the, why do they have to win a playoff game? Why why is that different than Rich Passaccia steering them through this tumultuous time and getting them to the playoffs? Because to me, it's not. To me, it's not different. If you were going to make the call to keep Rich Passaccia, that call should have been made already. I think Mark Davis is speaking volumes by the fact that he hasn't said that Rich Passaccia is going to be the coach of this team. What do you mean? If you're going to make the call to keep Rich Passaccia, if what you wanted to see was, can he do the job? Can a career assistant, a guy who's waited for the better part of four decades to be a head coach, if you just want to see, can he be in the big chair and get the job done, then you already saw it. You already saw that he could that he could do the job because what this team didn't do was collapse if the Raiders had fallen apart if the Raiders had gone to crap after everything that happened to them off the field this year then I think you easily look at Rich Passaccia and say thank you for taking care of this franchise through a very difficult time we're going to open up the search but if that's your criterion then he already did it he already got them through and Mark Davis hasn't given him the job Mark Davis hasn't assured him of anything and you know why Mark Davis loves his shiny toys he just showed you going out and getting Becky Hammond he showed you getting John Gruden. If a Jim Harbaugh is out there, there's no way that Mark Davis is making this call before he's looked at other options. So in a weird way, is the best thing for Rich Passaccia's head coaching future actually to lose this week against the Bengals so he can start interviewing in other places? Or if you can get Mark Davis to... I don't think there's a... You know what? I don't think that there is a determinate outcome here for Rich Passaccia. Either he's already got the job or he's not getting it. And I don't think anything short of winning a Super Bowl changes that when Mark Davis can't walk away from him at that point. Because the kind of coach that Mark Davis would go and get is going to be such a big name, such an over-the-top Harbaugh-esque guy. You're not going to be trying to sell somebody on Brian Dable replacing Rich Passaccia. It's going to be the kind of coach that Mark Davis has clearly shown he has a taste for. What do you think of my suggestion that Passaccia could be a head coach elsewhere and should be in the mix for some interviews if it's not with the Raiders. Absolutely, you should. Look, what you do you want? All right, what here see? we go. Score, what do you one? Score one for the older guy yeah. whose uh, brother and dad and you know, whoever else in his family are working or did work in the NFL, and Rich Passaccia didn't go to Yale. He's not some hey. hot 28-year-old who happened to, uh, you know, at one time have Sean McVay breathe on him. Passaccia has a chance. <laughs> Hey, I thought, the, all we, I thought all we hired now was thirty-two-year-old uh, guys whose dad freaking coached and grandfather coached in the league. A uh, quick aside: if the bloom isn't a little bit off Sean McVay after watching that collapse in the second half against the 49ers, it damn well should be. But it, you're right, Rich Passaccia didn't have McVay breathe on him. What do you want to know about an NFL head coach? You want to know that when the S hits the fan, the guy can get you through it. The guy has control of a locker room. The guy has the love of his players. That's it. The X's and O's can come from anywhere. They can come from a hotshot offensive coordinator. They can come from the 28-year-old who doesn't necessarily have the head job. Should Rich Passaccia get a look elsewhere? Why wouldn't he get a look elsewhere? 364-1100, caller 7 right now, contra tickets. Tool is playing at T-Mobile. That's on Saturday, January 22nd, 8 o'clock show. You can get your own tickets at AXS.com. Awesome show. Tool comes highly recommended from the Lotus Broadcasting family. 
364-1100 is the number to call Ari right now and get your concert tickets. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Um, at one point in our conversations, I asked her for her assessment of our season, and she said, as only a mother can, I'm very, very disappointed. They really, 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 really suck. Yes, the Bears still suck. Hey! Oh, yeah. That was quite the display, was it not, Adam Candy? McCaskey kid George bringing up his mom in the discussion, saying she was very, very disappointed in the results. He also said, in responding to his leadership being poor over the last 11 years, quote, ownership has informed me it wishes me to continue in this role. Your mom wishes for you to continue in the role. Not not ownership, your mom. Mommy said, I'm a good boy, and my football team is going to be okay. What can you add to that? Kofi, I, you, I know. There's nothing intelligent I can add to Mommy said I get to keep my job. It's not any, and by the way, it's not any better than Daddy said I get to keep my job. But right. it, it, Because I'm, I'm the one living through the, the kids of the Maras screwing up the Giants, so I don't think it's any different. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Giants because they finally decided to move on from Joe Judge. Maybe he sealed his own coffin by talking to him, right? So now the GM and the coach are gone. And this was after a uh, a day when reports came out that Joe Judge would like to be involved in choosing the GM, which <laughs> most people are like, wait a second, dude. You're, like, you're hanging out by a thread. You don't get to pick your boss. What is the worst job? Like, you know, I just brought up Rich Passaccia who should be in the running for other jobs if the Raiders aren't going to give him a head coaching job. If you were Bisaccia, would you be like, well, maybe I'll get a shot, but you know what? I don't think I want it with the Giants or the Bears. Are these the two worst jobs open? No, it's not even close. Uh, so I'm going to tell you that there are two quarterbacks right now who in their rookie years had almost exactly the same numbers for the same franchise. One is Blaine Gabbert. The other is Trevor Lawrence. So unless you think Trevor Lawrence is still a can't-miss quarterback prospect, and there has been zero in year one to suggest that, it's Jacksonville by a long shot. By a long, long, long shot, Jacksonville is the worst situation. Because you also have an owner in Shad Khan who has shown he has absolutely no idea what he's doing in running that franchise. Yeah, I don't buy it. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be above-average quarterback in the league. Um, and I think Shad Khan's a better owner than the Maras and the McCaskies. Shad Khan, the guy who had to be shamed multiple times into firing Urban Meyer, the guy who gave Urban Meyer that contract in the first place, is worse than the Maras, is worse than a franchise that has won four Super Bowls in my lifetime, and worse than the Chicago Bears, whose greatest sin in all of this is giving Matt Nagy Mitchell Trubisky. The Giants are the worst franchise in football. They've got the worst record over the last five years. 
five years is your sample size for for this because if the Giants are the worst, then what are the Jaguars? You're basing everything the, the, on Trevor the Lawrence, now, right? The now, the now is what matters. The now Giants, not their history. I mean, I don't. I mean, if you want to bring up G. Damn George Hallis, we can do that for the Bears. Let's I mean, do it. They, no, now Mara doesn't know what he's doing. When ownership is awful, and I agree, Shad Khan has made some mistakes lately. Mara's track record, and and considering what he has to work with. In terms of the market, he is the worst owner in football, and the McCaskies are right there with him. They are terrible. The New York Giants ownership situation, simply by the fact that Steve Tisch is alive and the fact that there is another voice in the room with John Mara, shows that it is not Jacksonville. It is not Shad Khan and whatever we think Trevor Lawrence might still be. Trevor Lawrence wasn't like the average rookie quarterback who was like, oh, no, don't worry. We'll see how it goes next year. They gave him Urban Meyer, and that shows you what Shad Khan does wrong. They gave him Urban Meyer in the first place. You want to take a shot on Joe Judge, a coach who I thought was a bad hire from the first place, but you want to pick one of those guys from the Belichick tree and say, maybe he's our up-and-comer. Fine, you're wrong. You got proved wrong really fast. None of it is going out and handing Urban Meyer one of the largest contracts in history and then having to be shamed. It wasn't even the video of the grind. It wasn't even staying behind with his players. It was finding out, finally, that he kicked his kicker that finally made Shad Khan say, ah, you know what, I'm out. I'll guarantee you when we see this unfold over the next couple weeks that you will like the combo of the Jags, well... Trent Balky should go bye-bye, but um, that you will like what the Jags have in place over what the Giants have in place when this process that, is all Oh, that was casual. I enjoyed that. That was casual of, oh, by yeah. the way, they should get rid of the GM. Well, they should. <laughs> the, did, did you see yeah. Did you see the greatest, the greatest in-game promotion that any team has ever run? Did you see the woman who was doing the trivia game at that Jacksonville game this weekend? Did you see her? I didn't. It was worse than the medium soda promotion. Oh, no, no. So get this because it was unintentional. So the Jacksonville Jaguars did one of those like on a timeout here. We're going to bring someone down to guess the answer to a trivia question. And here it is on the big screen. Is it A? Is it B? Or is it C? And it was like, I don't know who it was. Pick the amount of yardage. Pick a name or whatever. The woman who was a fan who they chose said C, fire bulky. The entire stadium heard the fan base saying, fire the general manager. But sure, I'll think that the Giants situation is much worse than that. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. What is the legacy of that defense now after last night? I think it's one of the best all time. I, I really believe that because they did it on the biggest stage against the Heisman Trophy winner. against Jamison didn't play the whole game, but against one of the best receivers we've seen in the last decade. That's why I think they go down as one of the better defenses all time. Yeah, absolutely. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. What do you think could be the big picture result of, of last night? I think this program, what Kirby Smart is building, is going to be a contender for the next 10 years. I really believe that. If you're in town,
I like it. Yep. Candy, you can kiss my country ass when it comes to the Giants situation versus my Jaguars and my guy Trevor Lawrence. Um, listen, there was a couple of things here on the Tebow comments. Um, first of all, let's let's see it done at the highest level year after year after year. I I think Kirby Smart and Georgia can do it. I think they can pull pretty you know close to even if he can get the quarterback position right with Alabama. The the other thing in that, the prisoner of the moment, jubilant thing, even a day after the game, and not a day after, but whatever, the, the morning after the game, Team Tebow was so bad at his analysis or with his analysis. The Alabama offense went up and down the field and couldn't score touchdowns, but they rolled up nearly 400 yards in offense. The Georgia defense is not one of the best all time, all right? They came up big in spots. They got a big pick six. They stopped them and held them to field goals. Calm down. That's stupid. And then, like, in the middle of it, he then he catches himself. He's like, oh, you know, they also they did it with Jamison Williams off the field. Then he says Jamison Williams is one of the best wide receivers of the last 10 years. I thought that was Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. And, like, can we stop with it's the best? It has to be the greatest of this. Like, stop, Okay. Georgia had a really good football team this year. They played good defense against a pretty crappy SEC East. And when it counted the most, they made a couple of key stops against Alabama. Their quarterback made a couple of plays. It's a national championship. They've been waiting forever to, to win it, you know, since they took out uh, what was a Penn State back in 1980. Congrats. But this is not some greatest of the era. You can't have that every year in college football. Cut it out, Tebow. The Georgia Bulldogs, your national champions, were losing with 12 minutes remaining in that game. Right. Would we be calling it the greatest defense ever if they lose to an Alabama team that doesn't have its two best receivers? No. We're not saying anything like that. By the way, the greatest defense of all time gave up 34 points in the SEC championship game. Yes, right. I know it was 41. It includes a pick six. So, come on now. And just, uh, just some of the analysis afterwards. And then for Greeny in the middle of it, and I know a lot of times when you're doing an interview, you're just making a transition. But, you know, when he's like, absolutely, you're right. It is one of the greatest. No, no, it's not. Stop, Greeny. Please. Don't. Don't. Don't encourage Tim Tebow. Okay? Please. Uh, so we were just talking about NFL coaching situations and especially ownership uh, openings uh, in the coaching spots and ownership situations. Uh, Giant situation ain't great right now. Bear situation after hearing from the younger McCaskey, who's not that young. Um, that Bobby. ain't great. Shad Khan is a freaking mess in Jacksonville. You know, generally, the, a lot of these jobs that are open, uh, there's been issues that start from the top down, which brings us to Miami, because we're still trying to get a clear picture of what exactly Brian Flores did to get fired and what this behind-the-scenes story that we haven't exactly gotten details on. So is... Brian Flores, a guy who's not a great coach, is a bad communicator, or is the my own, uh, Miami owner shown that he has consistently had no clue what the hell he's doing? Yeah, Stephen Ross, who owns the Miami Dolphins. Um, by the way, Stephen Ross also has a very interesting distinction for Las Vegas football fans. There was one owner who voted against the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. That was Stephen Ross. So boo that man. But the uh, and him forever from coming to the Owl. You can watch your team at home, jerk. Yeah, clearly so. So 
Stephen Ross, who is a you know billionaire like most NFL owners, made his money in real estate. Michigan man uh, came out and said. He didn't fire Brian Flores because he wants to hire Jim Harbaugh. He'll let Jim Harbaugh stay at Michigan. Let somebody else hire him. And he said that it wasn't necessarily about the performance on the field. It was about Brian Flores' relationships. Okay, look, man. Your team won seven games in a row. And I was the first one to get on here and say, yeah, well, they haven't beaten any good teams. They still won seven games in a row. And even after they got eliminated by the Tennessee Titans, they came back in week 18 and boat raced the Patriots. This team that could have quit on the season, that could have quit on their coach the way the Giants did to Joe Judge, they came back and put out a great performance. And so what's really interesting to me is that Stephen Ross, according to some reporting from The Ringer, according to some stuff I heard on NFL Network Radio last night, um, essentially decided that he didn't like Brian Flores' relationship with Tua Tagovailoa and with the GM, Chris Greer, and that they're really not getting the most out of Tua. Well, no one is going to get the most out of Tua, and blaming that entirely on Brian Flores, a guy who you brought in to deal with the defense, is not Brian Flores' fault. That's not his problem. The problem is with the ownership. The problem is with the same guy who, when Tony Sperano was the coach down there, basically put a muzzle on his GM when they flew on a private plane to Stanford to try to get Harbaugh, when he was at Stanford to come coach the Dolphins, and then basically drove a wedge between his GM and his head coach because they had behind his back while the coach tried to go get Harbaugh from Stanford. It was okay to go get him from Stanford, not from his alma mater at Michigan. Don't blame Brian Flores. Brian Flores got the shaft, and that's why he's a candidate for every head coaching gig that's open right now. It's the problem is from ownership. What's more likely, Brian Flores is working in the Nick Saban Rehab Institute, or he'll be a head coach next year? Brian Flores, will, Brian Flores will underscore bold, big, bright neon lights be a head coach in the National Football League next year. Next year? Next year. Brian Flores might be an NFL head coach within two weeks. What outstanding uh, bet debts do we have? What do you owe me? Oh no, sir! Oh no, no, sir! Wait, do I still owe you something? I feel like I, I feel like I pay off these bets, and then you're calling me a mush all the time. I'm not calling you a mush. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! You're no Kieran McGurl. Like you are, you are not the guy who owes Sammy P a bottle of tequila from forever and ever ago. No, 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 no. And do I, do I owe you another bet? Do I we have one this season? I would never say that in front of the people. What I'm just saying to you is, if you want to put something on this, that's fine. I think Brian Flores is coaching in the NFL as a head coach in 2022. Okay, I say no. And we are we are putting our standard wager of 50 gummy bears on this. Uh, Yeah, probably. Uh, uh, um, I mean, I'll just name the place. I think even though I don't go there as often as I used to, uh, why don't we just, do you want to do a Smith's gift card? Ooh, this is serious to you. You're willing to put Smith's on this. You're... <laughs> You're willing to go to the place that was denying your cards for all that yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I wasn't denying my card. Remember, they went with the uh, the credit the, the no credit card thing for a while. Oh, just were... saying, like the d- yeah. denying the card. I was mad. I, I got over it though. Uh, when you bring value, I get over it. Um, <laughs> this is this is a bet that I can. Uh, you're right. I could lose in like a day and a half. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely, you could. But I, yeah. But I'm willing, based on what's been happening in the NFL. 
Now, now the saving grace with Flores is he is a Belichick guy, and aside from hiring family members and young dudes who went to Yale or you know have worked at the feet of Little Shanny or Lafleur now, um, Belichick guys can get second chances because Jesus God Almighty, Bill O'Brien is getting interviews, which or is going to get interviews, which is another one that is just mind-boggling. Uh, well, but, but but I do but I do believe most of these jobs are going to go to someone who has family that's coached in the NFL or someone who is under 35 years old who is an offensive guru, and Brian Flores is neither one of those. The one thing Brian Flores has working against him is that he's not an offensive-minded head coach. Now, you want to talk about guys who get second chances. Josh McDaniels had the Indianapolis job and walked away from it to go back to daddy. He's still waiting in New England for Belichick to retire. And yet Josh McDaniels is a name that is showing up on every single list of head coaching candidates this year. He ditched an entire franchise. And yet he's still getting chances. Brian Flores is going to be interviewed, according to Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. He's going to get interviews uh, for the Bears job. He's probably going to get an interview for the Giants job. He's from Brooklyn uh, in the first place. So... It would be shocking to me if he's not a head coach in the NFL next year. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. We got a weird deal here, Candy, with. Michelle Tafoya, who is very good at her job. I will say a follow-up on the Derek Carr conversation about changing the strategy after the Staley timeout would have been awesome because everyone ran with what Derek Carr said. And uh, those of us who cover the Raiders and are here in Vegas, Derek Carr says a lot of things, and they don't mean a whole lot unless you follow up. And uh, after a game... When someone is all fired up and emotional and jubilant over a victory, I wouldn't just take a couple of comments that, yeah, definitely we change our strategy, that they change our strategy because I don't believe that. But anyway, um, Michelle Tafoya is done. Sunday was her last game. This has been a, a story that's been brewing for a while. Longtime sideline reporter. She's only 56. You know, she had missed three games during the year, and – it was described as bye weeks. It's a 17-week job in a 52-week year. Bye weeks, okay? Well, her break happened to come after she had gone on The View. And by the way, the report of her being out was out like a month ago. So she's saying, some may consider me crazy to walk away from one of the more coveted roles in sports television, and I do not doubt that I will miss many aspects of the job, she said in a statement. But for some time, I've been considering other areas I'd like to explore, both uh, personally and professionally. I couldn't ignore that little voice anymore that we've all uh, endured over the last few years. There's no better way to walk away from covering the NFL than with one more Super Bowl. Okay. Well, there are a lot of people who think that when she went on The View and gave her ca- or her take on Kaepernick, play this, reason that he is not playing is because he took a stand for other people in this country and he lost everything because of the stand that he took. And there is no owner in the NFL to this day that has the courage to take him 
back. A lot they of, don't a lot have of teams have tried him back. out. I will tell you that. I know my stuff too on this. A lot of teams have tried him out. And he didn't lose everything. In fact, I would say he's gained a whole lot. He is now an, a leader of a movement. He's got a Netflix series. He's got Nike endorsements. He lost the got one m- thing he wants to do. Well, you, yeah. you know, I, I don't get to do what I want to do either. And sometimes yeah, life but, just ain't fair. But that's, and it yeah, sucks. but that's the reason he's not doing it. The reason that he lost it is is a is a to me BS. Okay, so uh, Whoopi saying it's BS. Um, weird comment there from Tafoya saying she doesn't get to do what she wants to do. Does she want to do play by play or analysis? Is that what she's going? What what did she mean by that? Or was she being just a smart ass? She also uh, during her spot in that particular chair. Uh, there is certain chairs, or there are certain chairs on the view. Um, talked about the the flu and COVID. So she threw those views out there. There's a lot of people who think because she gave an opposing view on CAP and gave out some, oh, I'll say some conservative views. I mean, I, I don't know if the you know the whole flu is, COVID is the flu thing is a conservative view. But anyway, that she's lost her gig with NBC because of that appearance on The View. So Michelle Tafoya said, talking to media today, that this plan has been in the works for two years and that the games she took off this year, if you look, were all cold slash bad weather games where she decided to take a little break. All right. Reasonable. Um, Let me throw a conspiracy theory at you, Cofield. This happened on The View, right? Yep. The View very publicly has been having a hard time finding someone to fill a particular chair. They want, according to the reports, someone who is Republican, who can tow that party line, but is not someone who believes the election was stolen. So is that the, that's the old McCain chair? I believe that is the old McCain slash Hasselbeck chair. Okay. Uh, so they, they have shown that they are willing to go for someone who has some ties to sports crazy to think that maybe Michelle Tafoya could be in line for that, that maybe this was step one. Okay. Yeah, Bill Simmons said there's some good conspiracy stuff going on here about this. Because she hosted The View in the beginning of November, she was in the conservative seat. Then a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden, uh, just on a bye, taking a break. Um, And as he points out, you know, taking bye weeks in a 17-week job is a little bit weird. So I guess we'll see what happens with this. I I, I, I don't know whose decision it was, so. Maybe, maybe right. the conspiratorial stuff is nonsense, and Tafoya is getting a chance to do what she wants to do. So I guess her statement about, I don't get to do what I want to do, well, maybe you'll get to do what you want to do. I wouldn't blame her. You know, hey, I'm sure The View pays amazing money. It's a high-profile spot, and at some point, uh, not me, but, you know, the sideline gig stuff can get old. I love it. If someone offered you a job on The View, would you take it? <laughs> uh, yes. Has there been a male regular on The View? Not saying there has been. We're all about breaking molds. I'd be, I'd be all over it. I guess I'm, I'm a... okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just checking. I'm, I'm just asking. So yeah, maybe that's what it's about. And by the way, you know, Bill Simmons and I usually on exactly the same page about everything yes. here. But I'm I would, just... I would love nothing more than to especially argue sports with uh, Whoopi and Joy Behar because a great part of that clip, I think we cut it out, was. Behar getting a little sassy and then going, hey, honey, I would love to get a hey, honey all the time. Oh, just but, to, you know, but, but, but drive Behar over the edge and be like, all right, honey. But the two of us 
is there anyone in the world more prepared than either of us to deal with a Joy Behar saying, hey, honey, it's our lives. We've dealt with this family, friends on the street. Come on. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I do. Believe it or I'm not. not. <laughs> hey, we'd like to we'd like to see a test for this. All right. Hey, Come to dinner on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, mom, get in front of the camera. Let's start arguing about stuff. All right, honey. <laughs> Rebel game coming up in just a little bit. Running Rebel warm-up at 7.30. The tip is at 8 o'clock. Still plenty of time to get over there. Grab those tickets upstairs as low as 5 bucks. Downstairs as low as $22. New Mexico's in town to take on your running Rebels.